Thank you for that beautiful music. That was pretty. My mom tried to get me to learn to play the piano, but it just didn't happen. And Vicki thought she could teach me, and well, that's a whole nother story. Good morning to everybody on this beautiful day so far. I know we've got some rain coming, but it's the week of spring. I looked it up this morning to make certain what day it is, and it's Saturday. This coming Saturday, the 20th, is the first day of spring. Renewal. I'm, I'm counting on it. Uh, I'd like to welcome any visitors, if we have any visitors today. Uh, welcome to those of you that are joining us on Facebook or on the line, online. We love having you. If you are a visitor, please find the uh, card, connection card in the pew in front of you and fill it out for us. To give, uh, we have our box back, the lock box back on the wall back there as usual. Uh, if you're tech savvy, you can go to cypressstreet.church slash give. It's pretty easy. And if you're old-fashioned, there's a mailbox. I think we all know how to use that one. So it may not get here very quickly, but we have it. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have Scott Lamb speaking with us again. And the following Sunday after that will be Palm Sunday and Communion with Ray Owens. And we're bringing back a little something today. We're going to have birthdays and anniversaries, but you're not going to have to come up front. I would just like, if you have a March birthday or anniversary, would you please stand so we can wish you a happy birthday and anniversary. There you go. Yay! Happy birthday and anniversary, unless y'all were born on the same day. No, anniversary. Okay. Um, we're going to be helping at Grace Place on Monday, March 29th. We're going to be helping serve. We need volunteers. You can sign up in the, uh, in the lobby in there. We need oatmeal cream cookies. That's what we donate. So if you could bring the boxes of oatmeal cream cookies. And we need bottled water. And I believe that's it for our announcements this morning. Thank you, Barbara. This is the day that the Lord has made. You know the rest of it? Let's say it together. Let us rejoice, rejoice and, be and be glad, glad in, in it. it. Let's sing 10,000 Reasons, Bless the Lord. Sing your song again, whatever may pass and 
continue to worship and sing Jesus paid it all and the scripture with this uh, song today says do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God you are not your own you were bought with a price therefore honor God with your body 
Let's sing all three verses of Jesus Paid It All. before Brother Ray comes is a song. It's a beautiful little chorus. Think about his love, if you can continue standing. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that's brought us through. And he's brought us through a lot this last year, hasn't he? For as high as the heavens above, so great is the measure of our Father's love. Great is the measure of our Father's love. Let's sing this together three, three times. Think about his love, think about his goodness, think about his grace that's brought us through. grace that's brought us through 
Before I um, introduce someone that does not need introduction, um, I would like to draw your attention to the list of prayer requests. Uh, we have several. There are, they're minor to horrible, but we know God can take care of every single little thing. And I ask that you remember these people, not only this morning and there's many, many more that aren't listed on this piece of paper. And I love how one person in this room I heard say one time that she likes to pray for people that don't have anybody else to pray for them. And I like to say that too to God sometimes. Not that he's not capable without me reminding him, but I think it's just a good thing to remember that some of us are really lucky to have people praying for us. And if you have any prayer requests during the week or any time, you can contact Karen Oldham. But if you'll bow your head, Father, we thank you so much for this day. It is a beautiful day. Please protect those that are having the storms that are coming with this beauty and that may be coming our way. Father, we ask that you be with each and every person on this prayer list here and in every heart all over the world, not just in this room. We ask for comfort. We ask for peace that only you can give. We ask for strength. And we also thank you for everything that we have. Please open our hearts to hear your word this morning. Be with us, go with us, protect us, and remind us that we're yours all through the week. We ask all these things, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And now we will have Ray Owens come up, and we thank you so much for stepping in all these times. Look around. Each of you are heroes. You were able to make it on time 
And if you felt like you lost some sleep last night, you probably did. That's awesome. But let me tell you, today's a day of rest. You're allowed to take a nap today. No guilt in that. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Gene. With friends like you, you know. No. Okay, yes. Uh, actually, my, that brings a memory. When, when my dad, uh, we all moved to Kansas in 1970, and it was uh, 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 a lot of farmers in the church in Kansas, and there was one guy that slept all the time. And, uh, and you know, some people were upset about it, and I remember dad just saying, look, if this is the place he gets peace, you know, and rest, <laughs> at least it's in the sanctuary, and uh, he really was a great guy, great guy. So that, that's actually a possibility as well. Uh, I want to thank each of you for being here. It's good to be here today. Um, I also felt this morning as I was kind of worshiping and getting ready for the message to share a couple things with you to encourage you this morning and to hopefully uh, represent Christ and love on you. Um, you know, sometimes as a minister or a leader or, uh, you know, I've had the privilege to know some national Christian leaders, and I know some of you have as well. And, you know, sometimes we put them on pedestals and all that sort of thing. And I want to assure you this morning, it's like I felt the Lord telling me to assure you, each of you are very important to God. Your position in life serving Him is just as important as anyone else. And I really mean in the kingdom of God, just as important as Billy Graham you know, or anyone else. Um, I, I just felt like I needed to say that. And I've been mentioning to you that there's some uh, titles that you have or some diagnoses that I give you. You remember that you're all gifted and you're all loved and all those things. And today I wanted to share one with you from uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, but it says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. It is as though Christ were making his appeal through us. Therefore, here's what I want to tell you this morning. Each of you don't need to look down on yourself, be condemned in that. You are an ambassador. So you might say, I'm retired or politically incorrect. I'm retarded. You know, I'm retired and retarded. You know, I'm, I'm a nobody anymore. I'm in a nursing home for those that might be watching. I'm, I'm, this is one that really gets to me. I'm just a mother. Hello? What a calling. I mean, I think that's way up there. And by the way, you don't ever get rid of that title, mothers, do you? I mean, they come back. You know, <laughs> They're never gone, and we're to pray for them and raise them and pray for them and re-raise them. And then we get grandkids who are filled with the Holy Ghost from birth, obviously, like John. I uh, know my one and only is. Uh, but, you know, whatever you do, if, you know, growing trees, uh, calling on businesses to sell, doing engineering, typing, you know, on the phone, making rounds, calling on people, just going to Walmart. What a ministry to go to Walmart. And I know with a mask it's harder, but here's what I want to tell you. Did you know that every Christian, we have, we're real, we have struggles, but we should just smile at people sometimes. Let the Christ in us flow through. 
that's what being an ambassador is. So I want you to realize you're an ambassador. You know, the Congress is the Senate is confirming ambassador choices. Well, consider yourself confirmed, okay? You're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, at times we need to act like it a little more, and sometimes we need to be encouraged in that. And I just want to encourage you, you're ambassadors. And my second one I wanted to give you this morning is I am worthy of His love. Revelation 3, 4. Every one of these I have a scripture to back up. It's, this is not on your outline. This is Lanyap, remember? Uh, it says, they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. And some people say, well, yeah, one day we'll be worthy. We're never worthy in and of ourselves, but Christ has made us worthy. So I want to tell you to be His witnesses out in the world, but also the opportunity to serve. And I want to encourage you Never feel that you're not good enough to serve. If you have any desire to be a part of the family of God, you know, just go to any of the leaders. Tell Sister Carolyn, Brother Mike, you know, Brother Vickery, anybody just say, hey, where can you use me? And I think after they pass out and, you know, kind of fall down, grab them, you know, and all that, uh, hold them up a little bit, especially if you had your shot. You can hold them up. You know, I feel like we should have a tag around our neck, kind of like the dogs. I've had my shot. Remember, I invented it, so somebody on the internet's going to come out with a little collar you put around. I've had my shots. You know what I mean? But after you, after they fall out from you telling them that you'd want to, what, what can I do? Here's what I want you to know: God has a place in the body of Christ for everybody. Not everybody can play the piano. Not everybody can sing. I think I shared with you my mom, that wasn't her thing. And if you, you heard my service that we were talking about, she actually didn't want to marry dad because she wasn't a piano player. Because at that time that was a requirement for a pastor's wife to be a piano player. Things have changed. But at that time she felt, Lord, she was a wonderful pastor's wife. In fact, they probably loved her more than him at some churches, you know. And so that's not it. You be you. Amen. You be you. Did God make junk? Read Psalms 139. No, He doesn't make junk. He scheduled every day of your life. He put your genetics together to make you look the way you do. If your nose is too long or hooked or crooked or whatever, don't worry about it. God made you you and He needs you in the body of Christ and in the world. So be His ambassadors. Amen. How many of you had a mom or dad that seemed to know everything all the time? How many of you had a mother that had eyes in the back of her head? How many of you had a mother that had Bluetooth before there was Bluetooth? They like knew where you were. And, you know, um, somebody recently get, set, uh, showed me an app they have and they have their kids on it and, their, and now their parents on it <laughs> and, and all that and it shows where they are. My mom and dad didn't need Bluetooth. They had the holy Bluetooth or something. I mean, they knew where it were. And I'd come in or something like that, and, and they'd look at me, and I'd go, well, I don't like that look. I don't know what it was. And what, be, what you been doing? And i go, nothing. <laughs> you know, the standard deep theological answer, nothing, you know. And, uh, and, and, and it's like, I'm going to find out what you've been doing. You better tell me. It's better if you fess up, you know. You need to confess up. Confess now, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, 
And it's like they knew everything. Well, here's what I want to tell you. The Heavenly Father is a lot like that because He is our Father. He knows everything. He knows where you've been. He knows what you said. He knows what you've done. And it doesn't help to pretend to think He doesn't know. He knows everything. He knows it all. But you know that He knows and you think things are okay sometimes when they're not. Well, today I want to talk about that as we kind of have our message today and you can pull your outline out. If we want to experience worship, if we want to have heaven come down and meet us on earth, you know, last week I shared with you that we view this time as a date with God, a time to be with God. And, and, and when we're overcome with that love, our worship is true. Well, today I want to talk about us coming down, meeting God, and an important element of worship and an important thing in our Christian life called confession. Now, there are certain church groups that really teach this well. Honestly, we haven't always taught it very well. But it's very powerful, extremely biblical, very practical and important. Now, I want to tell you right now, this is a positive message. It's not a negative message. Some people may say, ooh, talking about confession and all. Boy, that's, that's negative. No, it's very positive. It's, it's a good thing. And I'm going to read an entire book of the Bible. It's not very long. It's only 11 verses. And, uh, you know, it's not a, a book of the Bible that I've preached on a lot, but it's beautiful. And I'd like to share it with you. It's, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It's taken from Psalm 32. And I titled today's message, The Blessing of Confessing. Psalm of David, verse 1, chapter 32. Oh, what joy! For those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked. But unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey Him. Shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. What a scripture. Let's pray. Father, take these words that you gave the psalmist David and you gave to us. And Lord, with your Holy Spirit and our uniqueness... 
bind that together into something that speaks to our heart, fuels our soul, challenges our mind, and encourages us. Have your way. Now, Lord, all of us in this room give you permission to speak to us and all God's people said. Thank you for allowing God to speak to you this morning. Let me get this outline out here so I'm ready to go. I listed on your outline some blessings of sincere confession. And so I want to kind of go through those as well. So what's so blessing about confessing? Well, first of all, I put there, it gives us joy. If you look at the first two verses and the last verse, what did it have in there? Joy. Joy. Confessing is joy. Now, when you think of traditional confession, you might think about coming in a church, and there's several groups, but especially the Roman and Catholic uh, churches, you know, and there'll be a confessional, and certain times the priest is in there, and you come. Or perhaps those who are historically Church of God remember the days of the altar or the prayer room and those sort of things, which I think are still uh, should be available today, and as soon as this COVID's over with, we got to get something going with that. Um, but if you think about it, you think about that and think, oh my goodness, you, 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 you got to go. And I don't know about you, but I remember being many times under conviction back in the you know, pew or whatever, and literally holding on, and there's times you'd hold on and your knuckles would turn white, holding on the pew. Or I've even heard this, guys, sorry, but I don't have any change. But your hand's in your pocket and you're shaking the, so bad. The, 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 it's like you're ringing a bell, you know, like you're trying to be out of sight, but you're so under conviction. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, a time when you have that. We think about that, and of course everybody knows around you what's going on, you know. And then about 10 people are over there praying for you to go to the altar, you know, or whatever is going on, especially, you know, at a special revival or camp meeting. And then we come down. We think about all that, but here's what I want to say. This scripture talks about it gives joy. Confession has a gift of joy. Secondly, it protects us from the judgment of God. Protects us from the judgment of God. Now, I'm no hellfire and brimstone preacher. A few times I get worked up and going uh, and all that. I, I believe the love of God is the most awesome thing in the entire universe. But I need to preach the truth to all of us and all. God is just. You're not going to trick Him. You're not going to work around some special deal. I, I, I think that probably is one of the delusional things I see in Christianity. I know what the Bible says, I've heard many times, but God and I have got a special deal. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons and His Word is truth. I'll just leave it at that. Be careful, where does those special deals come from in our mind? Where does that happen? Satan's probably doing something with us where we're, we're being uh, kind of mixed around. Numbers tells us to be sure of this. This is true. Our sins will find us out. That's why God, why I think God lets us with our parents when we come in and we're guilty of something and they know it. I think it's really a similar thing with God. In other words, your sins are going to find you out. They're, God's not mocked. It's not going to happen. It's real. And what does confession do? As the Bible says, we're all going to stand before God and give account of everything we've done. 
But when we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, and not before, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confession frees us from judgment. Now that ought to give us joy, the first point. Woo! It don't matter what you've done, what you've thought about doing, what you almost did, what you're gonna do, yes, it matters about. But what's been done and you've confessed to him is washed whiter than snow. Boy, that's a good one. The third one is confession lifts the weight of guilt and shame. Now, how many of you felt guilty before? How many of you feel guilty right now? <laughs> I hope not. Well, you know this. When, when you feel like you've done something bad or you've messed up, or even if you've had thoughts, you know, like verse 3 and 4, the psalmist David says, I was weak. Strength just evaporated out of my body. It was just like, whoa, it just you know, fell off of me. It was miserable. I mean, it's a terrible thing. And then when the weight gets lifted, it's awesome, Right? It's gone. And one of the joys of confession is it takes the weight of guilt and shame gone. I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, well, let me leave that for later. I'll leave that for later. The next one is confession allows for confidence before God. In Hebrews, it tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of God. Boldly. Now, if you are guilty of sin before your parents, you're not going to come in and go, I'm your kid, I'm special, I'm awesome, I know I took the car and put it, wrecked it or whatever, you know, but I'm special, I'm just your little special angel. Because if your parents then said, yes, you are and everything's fine, they need help. Like maybe six months help, intensive treatment, a lot of medication, etc. Because they're going to make you a spoiled, rotten brat and ruin your life, okay? It's terrible parenting. No, <laughs> if you have that cocky attitude, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Some of us didn't sit for a couple days after that, and many of you are still struggling sitting right now because of that, right? But we see that God allows confidence as we come before Him because confession paves the way to come before God with a clean hands and a pure heart. And that's beautiful. The next one, E, is confession keeps us from enlarging our hole of trouble. It keeps us from making that hole of trouble bigger. <laughs> Anybody ever been in a hole or messed up? There's tons of times. And what Satan will tell us when we're messing up and we're in a hole is you're just not good enough. You might as well just go ahead and fall off the deep end, right? Think about it. That's what he does all the time. Well, God doesn't matter how, as long as you're breathing breath and he gives you life, it doesn't matter where you are, that hole can be closed up real quick, not enlarged at all. Verse 6 and 7 talk, tells us to confess while there's still time that you don't drown in the floodgates of judgment. So judgment's coming. It's a good thing. It's to tell us we need to change something and don't drown in it. Let's get saved out of it. And that's what confession does. 
And it tells us that really God's trying to protect us in this and keep us from further danger. Verse 7 says, you protect me from my trouble. Basically, you protect me from myself. Who is your own worst enemy? Is it your mama? Your daddy? Some of you better not respond to this one. Your husband? Your wife? <laughs> oh boy, some of you came close. You turned and looked. Um, nope. I promise you, I don't matter who you are, your number one problem is yourself. It's between you and God. And uh, so basically God's saying confession helps protect you from yourself because obviously you have to humble yourself before God. And then the next one, confession opens up the way to God's best for us. Opens up the way to God's best for us. God's instructional manual called the Bible is the way to a blessed life. Amen? Absolutely. It's not designed to weigh you down, and that's how, it's like looking at a glass, and y'all all have seen it, and if it's exactly half full, it's almost 50-50 how people see it. Some see it, oh, it's half gone. Others see, it's half full, I've got a lot left. I remember there was a time that Dana and I went to a restaurant in town, still here, and and uh, has pretty good service and good food, but there was a time that every waiter would not ever let your glass get below half full. You know, it, it was unbelievable. It was almost too much, to be honest. Kind of like they're looking there, almost half, almost half. You got to have, no, it's half. And go run over there, pour it in there. I got it. You know, that was kind of, but it was unbelievable service. It was unbelievable service. You know, the same with the Bible. Some view it as, a condemnation and oh my goodness it's getting on me and and others can view it as a uplifting powerful thing and honestly even if it's condemnation it's showing us some way that we need to be shaped to be more like God so even the negative is good if that maybe makes sense I'll do the best job to preach it and try to tell you you know uh, in golf and I'm not a golf player, I realized I could get addicted to that and it would be very frustrating and you do need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to play golf because, but it's almost like uh, you're out of the rough and back into the fairway with God. Does that what I'm saying? You're back in the, if you understand God, you're back in the fairway, you got a clean shot in life. That's what it is with God when I'm talking about confession opens the best that we have and gives us an opportunity. It just helps with that. And then the next one, confession heals God's broken heart. God, it heals God's broken heart. And you go, Pastor Ray, you've lost it, probably. But here's what I want to tell you. Our God is a personal and relational God. Read the Bible. This uh, view of God that some people have, we've talked about it a little bit, the times I've been with you, the man upstairs, we got a deal, blah, 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 is one way. You know, other folks, he's so far out there and so holy you can't even communicate with him. Both extremes are special ed. They're bad. They're way out here. Our God is a personal, relational God. 
So you and I say, well, God loves us. Yes, he does. And uh, so if I say I do and, and, and I act and I have in my heart ways that hurt God and are sinful to God, how does God feel about that? Did you know God feels? I believe that with all my heart. God's all powerful. Our God cares, though, about us. People were wicked in the day, and the Bible tells us even in Genesis in the first book that God's heart was filled with pain for his people's failures. That's what the Bible tells us. And at one point, even he says, man, I'm sorry I even made people. They hurt me. How many of you have ever fallen in love with somebody or thought you were in love with somebody, and they did something, and it hurts? Who can hurt you the most? Those you love the most. Somebody you're not in love with does something to you. You know, it's not fun, but if somebody close to you that loves you does something, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts at the core. And it's the same with God. God loves you and I so much, and when we do something against Him, it hurts Him. And He's not going, I'm going to zap you and all that sort of stuff. That's not the first thing out. It's just a hurt and, and, a, and a feeling. And I want to give you another illustration. Think about this, the prodigal son that had everything and demanded his inheritance now and left, and we know the whole story and how he ended up where he did, and no way did he deserve forgiveness. I mean, none of us in this room have ever gotten to where he got. None of us have eaten with the pigs, I can tell. And I don't smell too good, but I can tell, all right? None of us have gotten there. But when he's coming home just to be a servant, just to frankly be able to eat and live and his life's over, right, what does it say God, his father did? ran to meet him, rejoiced. Our God loves you, cares about you, and it hurts him when we don't do good, and it excites him when we do do good. Even if we call on him for help, he gives us the strength, we make it through the sermon, we make it through the witness, we make it through a day where we love everybody and we're having a good day, we make it through a tough time, God's like, yes, that is awesome. That's my child. Sorry, I get a little carried away with that. And finally, confessing clears the way for passionate worship. You know, true worship requires confession to be a part of it. And I think we don't know that or forget that sometimes. Okay, every now and again, I mess up as a husband. I, I try not to confess too much of personal stuff on the internet, thanks Nick, or anywhere else. And it'd be better if I could walk down there maybe. And, but you know, every now and then I mess up. Uh, I, if something isn't going good, I'm going to blame somebody else. That's the default. And guess who gets blamed the most? whoever's married to you, you know. And sometimes we mess up. And like, let's say I come home and I pretend everything's okay. I'm over it. I've already said my piece, jumped on them. I'm calm. Everything's fine. Well, they're home and maybe they don't even say anything, but there's an elephant in the room when you sit down to eat. It's kind of quiet. You know what I mean? Like I talked to you about last time, what's Dana going to say? And I told you the problem is she's not going to say anything. That's the worst, you know. Uh, but when that happens and we mess up and we do that and, and, and all of that, 
if I humble myself, if I keep playing that game, it just gets worse and worse. There's no joy. There's no passion in the relationship. There's not really a good feeling anywhere. But if I humble myself and I confess and I go, Dana, I messed up. You know, this happened and that happened, but I, you know, I just blamed you or whatever it was. I mean, whatever the stupid thing was that I did, it doesn't matter. If I really confess it and I'm sincere to her, what does that do to our relationship? Anybody got a clue? It frees it up. Yeah, it frees it up. You know, the passion returns. And that's the way it is with God. And I tell you, I've known all of us, I've done it. Because, man, even when I travel, I go to church. I mean, even when I'm in my farm in Kansas, I go to church. I mean, I'm going to go to church every opportunity I can. That's just me, uh, multiple reasons for that. But I tell you, sometimes you come in and maybe things aren't going too good. And I really can't worship. I can't sing with the praise team. I might can motion the words. And obviously there's a lot of folks that way because there's times I've sat on a stage at an event and worship's going on. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, uh, I look around and words aren't coming out of people's mouths. So maybe that's just what's going on. I don't know. But you know there's something between you and God. That's what I'm trying to say. And so if something's between you and God, the elephant's in the room, and you really can't get passionate and worship with God if you know you've hurt him or you feel hurt by him, something's between you. But when you confess how you feel, even confessing, God, I'm mad at you. Why did you do this? Why did this happen? You follow what I'm saying? Just pour it all out and God's Holy Spirit comes. Guess what? Do you think you can worship better then? Absolutely. Does that make sense? You get the elephant out of the room and I believe with all my heart that true worship, we say the words and we change our heart and God allows us to have full worship. And I want you to try to remember that. That's why I was talking about Sunday morning being a date with God. A chance we can come and really love on Him. Even if the sermon's terrible. Even if the music's off key. That doesn't matter as much. It's all good if it is good. But it's about you and Him connecting and you adoring Him and honoring Him. And so if there's anything between you and God, we ought to confess it, get rid of it, because it moves it from the east is from the west. Amen? So, that leads us to when facing pain is good. When facing pain. I think there's a time when facing pain or hurt is good. The first is, receive unconfessed guilt as a gift from God. Receive unconfessed guilt as a gift from God. Um, one of the characters that some of you might know years ago was Gomer Pyle. And sometime when somebody would do something, the character he played, not the actor, but the character he played would go, shame, 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 shame. Does anybody remember that? Well, we need a little bit more Gomer Pyle in this world today. We got a culture, an entire culture, and I'm not slamming anybody in internet as you pick up on this, you gotta really hang with me and use some cognitive skills to understand what I'm saying. We live in a culture that says guilt is bad. Parents don't ever get on to your children. 
We have uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock, who was just a pediatrician and wrote a book about don't spank your kids, don't do all that. By the way, at the end of his life, he wrote a book and said, I was wrong. Uh, basically, it was terrible what he said at the end of it. But my point is, you know, we, we, we have this deal that, that if we feel guilty, that's terrible. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't feel guilt or shame. But brothers and sisters, in love and truth, I want you to listen to me. When guilt comes from God, it's a good thing. That's what our scripture says, when it comes from God. I've said, notice, unconfessed, not confessed stuff. This is stuff that's unconfessed. It's not covered by the blood. That's what I'm talking about. So guilt is not to tell you how bad you are. Guilt is to move us from being where we are to right with God. Do you see what I'm saying? It's to get us thinking, to catch our, where we're at. It's a good thing. And so God might let a little pain come to tell you and I we need an adjustment. And, you know, sometimes when we have pain in our body, it's like the body's telling us back off of using that or, you know, be careful with it. That's when it comes. And that's what's important. If you keep on doing this, it's going to hurt. It's the same way. I had a... Y'all all had experiences like this, but I had a friend whose uh, child was something else. And, you know, they'd stayed on him about running into the street and running everywhere and just taking off. And there was a time that he was running, and here come a car, and it was terrible, okay? And, man, he took off running after him and, you know, actually got there a little late. Luckily, the kid at the curb fell, and he didn't get in the street and didn't get hit. And I'm not going to be able to describe to you uh, what was going on, but the parent basically began what I call syllable speaking. And what that was something like, Did, didn't I, I tell, you know, tell you not to, you know, while they catch their breath, you know, to ever run in the street. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're just overcome with emotion and yeah they're kind of yelling I, you know you've heard this as they're a teenager I could kill you you know well why you don't want to hurt them you're not wanting to kill them but you're so emotional about it the adrenaline is fired up they almost did this crazy thing that was horrible and God saved them and why did the parent do that why did the parent get on the kid or if you talk about a kid and they'll take hot water and want to stick their little kids especially want to you know, put their hand in it, or worse yet, that pours over on them. You know what I'm talking about? Why do you get upset and all? Because you love them so much. And that's what God does. God loves us so much that he's going to allow things to come to catch our attention, to wake us up. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. When God hits you with conviction or guilt, it's God letting you know how much he loves you. In Job 33, 14 through 18, I have on your outline, I believe, there. But God speaks again and again, and I want to stop here. Sometimes I wonder why God's holding off and coming back. And you know what? I think it's his grace is so amazing he still wants to save more and more people. 
Does he have permission to come? Yeah, he can come anytime. Does he have more than reason to come? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. We're inventing new ways to be evil. Okay? And by the way, that doesn't surprise God. Read the Bible. But this says, but God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He whispers in their ear and terrifies them with his warning. He causes them to change their minds. He keeps them from pride. He keeps them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. And it was the whole purpose of God convicting us or allowing us to feel a little guilt. God doing it now, not the other way. Here's what I'm trying to say. When that happens, God's letting us know He loves us and He wants to save us and He doesn't want bad things to happen to us. You know? He wants to wake us up. I wonder, I don't know, but you know this past year we've been through some pretty crazy stuff. Let's just talk about our community, the whole world as well, but you know, a pretty powerful tornado. Two hurricanes. Ice-mageddon or whatever it was. Coronavirus. And yet God has blessed us with a vaccine and now an antiviral that instantly stops the coronavirus just this week we learn. God's doing all of this. I guess at some point could he say what have we learned? Did we have a chance to really go back and did God want us to center back on him? Did he want us to maybe love our families and get a chance to spend time with our family? What about our priorities? Do you see what I'm saying? I wonder if this scripture relates to that. And so I put on your outline right there underneath it. Guilt is not God trying to shame you. It is God trying to reclaim you. That's worth putting on your refrigerator. So when guilt comes in our life, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what's going on? If Guilt comes and you've confessed it. Where did that come from? Satan. What is Satan? The accuser. But if guilt comes from something you haven't confessed and given it to him, then it could be coming from God as a chance to tell me how much I love he loves me and what I need to change. Does that make sense? Not guilt from another person that's not your judge. Not guilt coming from Satan and the accuser but guilt or conviction or spiritual drawing that comes from God. Secondly, when confessing, admit internal struggles as well as external failures. Admit internal struggles as well as external failures. Police responded to an alarm of a home being broken into, and of course it takes them a while to get there and to get so many false alarms, bless their hearts. But when they arrived, nobody was inside. But there was a man not too far away that had what appeared to be a broken hip, but they checked him all out and there was nothing on him or, you know, it's just a little suspicious he was there. So they took him to the hospital and he had an x-ray. Well, the first x-ray showed some weird stuff, so they did another x-ray. And on the second x-ray, they found that he had a lot of jewels in his stomach. And, you know, how many of you know you're not supposed to eat the jewels? You know? 
so on the outside he looked okay, just injured. But on the inside there was evidence of a crime. Well, here's what I want you to know. Likewise, when we come to worship, let's not think of sin only as sins of commission or omission, okay? Um, Many times we're into that, and that's what it is. And church people, especially, we think about all of this. Don't, you know, don't speak a certain word. Don't drink. Don't curse. Don't chew, and don't talk to those who do. You know what I'm saying? And we got an entire list, you know. In fact, the Ten Commandments really, Jesus made it clear, if you just went with two commandments, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all of your soul, and love your neighbor, and that means everyone else, as much as God loves you, basically. If you do those two, you don't need the ten. Because you're not going to be trying to envy to get somebody else's stuff. You're not going to be cursing God because you love Him, right? You're not going to be committing adultery or things like that because you're in love with, I mean, all the things. You're not going to kill anybody. You're not going to lie and steal and, you know, all the ten, just for those two. That, that's it. That's it. And if you love God with all your heart, you don't need to be worried about you going to hell because you don't go to church. No, because you love God, you want to be with God's people. You love God, you want to be a part of the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? I'm just saying those there are so important. The Great Commission and love your neighbor as yourself. See what I'm saying? It's all covered by those two. You know, sometimes we come to church thinking about our actions are okay, but here's where I'm getting a little tough. It also has to do with our hearts. So you're in church today, so I honor you. I want to bless you. That is awesome. Also, as we come, we open our hearts to God. And we say, God, is my heart in tune with you? Is my heart, is there anything in my heart and my mind that separates us? Like, I've never done this, I've never done that, but my heart and mind's far from you. Does that make sense? And too many times we think about sin being external, but it's internal. Jesus told us it's not just what you do, it's also what you think. If you covet, it's the same as stealing. If you lust, it's the same as adultery. If you hate, it's the same as murder. Because he's talking about internal. And no one ever murdered unless the hate was there first. No one ever stole unless I deserve it. I got a bad break or, you know, I want it. I'm better. It's all about me. You see what I'm saying? That's where it started. The psalmist David puts it this way on your outline of heaven, Psalms 19. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart, David says? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free from guilt, free of guilt, and innocent of great sin. And then we all know this. May the words of my mouth, that's the outward, and the thoughts of my heart, the inside, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. So heart check. What were your words? What were your tone? But also, what were our thoughts? So I want to add a whole new thought to us sometimes. Sometimes our confession needs to be like David. 
God, I want to confess there might be things in my heart between me and you. Oh, God, cleanse my heart. Make my heart pure. I want my heart to be tuned in with you. And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, if that's the kind of relationship you have with God, you don't have to worry about actions. Does that make sense to anyone here? Two of you, four of you, eight of you. If the heart gets good, we don't have to worry about all of that. Have I been in the middle? Absolutely, guys. There's been times the heart's pretty crazy, but I'm on pastor's son or pastor autopilot. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. I'll pray about that. The heart going, that jerk, what are they doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, whatever it is. It's the 60th time I've had to pray for them. You know, whatever. You know, you get what I'm saying? But when the heart's changed, you don't have to worry about that. It just flows out of you. It just flows out of you. It's awesome. Thirdly and finally, Another time hurts kind of good as it leads us back on the right path. Oh, I have a quote there. I'm so sorry um, that, that I had on your outline. Remember that sin is an attitude long before it becomes an act. Remember that. Thirdly, confront your doubts and fears with the greatness and readiness of God's forgiveness. Confront your doubts and fears with the greatness and the readiness of God's forgiveness. Now, if you and I have a shame button that's been pushed this morning, know this. God's grace is always greater than any sin. Amen? God's grace is much greater than any sin. So we need to know that. God's more ready to forgive you and I than you and I are to receive it. Did you hear that? God is more willing and able and wanting to forgive us than we even begin to understand. Psalms 103, he has not punished us for all our sins, nor does he deal with us as we deserve. Never say, God, I deserve better than this. About that time a lightning bolt needs to go about 30 feet away because you just went, passed over into dumb, you know, <laughs> or maybe dumber, I don't know. <laughs> He has not punished us for all our sins, nor does he deal with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him as is, great, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our rebellious acts as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty awesome. So I want to close kind of with this idea. Something that all you sports fans, I know there's many of you in here that are, um, they added to football a while back. In fact, one of them was added because of the Saints getting uh, treated terribly in a championship game. And they started having instant replay and instant review. You know what I'm talking about? Well, here's what I want to tell you about instant replay. If you have a sin that you've confessed to God, there is no instant replay. If there is an instant replay then guess where it comes from? Satan. When we mess up or sin, here's what Satan does. Okay, let's just use me as an illustration. 
I really didn't act very Christian, very pastoral, and I didn't not only just have a, you know, it's inside me, and I didn't outside me. Maybe it wasn't this horrible, terrible thing, but it was pretty bad, okay? I began to turn on worship music, and uh-oh, I start getting convicted about it. Or somebody later hears something about it, or I come home and tell my wife about it, and she goes, you did what? <laughs> However it is, or I turn on worship music, and I get convicted about it, and I confess it to God, and I say, oh, Lord, help me. What an, I use the word idiot, I'm sorry. What a, you got to be kidding me. You know, I came to my senses and I began to head back to God and what does God do? Run to me, right? And so it's good with God. Let me show you what happens. When I confess it, Satan takes that deal, transcribes it, and we got a couple transcribers in here. And then they kind of color code it and juice it up because it was bad. And then they hit it, and, they, and then Satan files it in the file cabinet. And he's got names on there like Vicky, Nick, Priscilla, Mike. You know, he's got all these names, you know. Did I say Mike? <laughs> he's got all these file cabinets, and he pulls it out and he puts them in there. What does God do? Almighty God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, he takes it and he throws it over into the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. In fact, if you bring it back up to God, here's exactly what God will say to you. If you reconfess something that you've already confessed and given to him with a pure heart. Now, I don't mean a, I guess I'll confess it. I got caught. I don't mean that. I'm talking true confession. He will say, I distinctly remember forgetting that. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, he's able to, but he's, he's moved it as far as the east is from the west. It's in the, the sea of forgetfulness. It's filed in file 13, if you know what that means with a shredder. And when God uses a shredder, it turns into powder. It's gone. Now, that ought to excite somebody. It's gone. It's gone. So when it's brought back up, the only person or entity anywhere that can bring it up, if you've confessed a sin, is Satan looking through that file and pulling it up and trying to show an instant replay. And when he does, you go, oh no, I'm terrible, <laughs> you know. Um, once we've confessed it, I think I have on your outline there at the bottom, something that I think you need to write down. Let me find it there. Yes. Satan's replays will never change the call of God. Because God's a perfect referee. And you know what the call of God is? When we've confessed our sin, this will at least put a smile on some of you about ready to go to sleep. Not guilty. When we've confessed it, he covers it, not guilty. Now, some people go, well, does he have to? Yes. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. When we're not trying to do anything with an, a tricky heart, we're just sincerely honest before him. Now, do we, Paul would say this, do we keep on sinning? 
so grace more may abound, and so we get more and more of that? No, we don't do that on purpose at all. But if you fall again, you still confess it, and you pray for the second and third time, God, I need your Holy Spirit to get over this, or I need some accountability to get over this. I have sermons on that. We'll cover it later, okay? But the key is, when you get an instant replay and you've confessed it, it isn't coming from God. And that's powerful. See how sometimes hurting and getting something and realizing it and confessing it, do you realize how Satan doesn't want that to happen? That's why Satan doesn't want us to have shame, shame, shame. That's why Satan doesn't want raising a whole generation with no guilt, no guilt, no guilt. It's a trick of Satan. We've just fallen into this, all this political correctness and all this stuff, and we need to return to the Word of God, brothers and sisters. This is good, because when the guilt comes, we confess it, we realize it, we get it straight with God, and it's gone. So I have on the bottom of your outline, are you willing to be open and honest with God, and have you confessed it? Because confession anyone, it leads to freedom of a pure heart, and it's waiting for us. In Psalms 32, it says, oh, what joy for those whose sin is forgiven and out of sight. I guarantee you in this room, there are folks that have sin that has been unconfessed, and God is dealing with you and I and telling you the joy of confessing and how important it is. But I also know this. In this room, there are people that have confessed the sin, maybe even multiple times, and they still keep feeling guilt over it, and that is Satan trying to hold you back from being totally free in the Spirit of God. And I rebuke him right now in the name of Jesus to tell you, read this message, read these scriptures, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, not just this pastor, and set yourself free from Satan's guilt trip. And if there's something that's there that you haven't confessed to him or you keep struggling with, hey, I'm here, there's other people here, let's give it to God and let's work through it, amen? God loves you and I so much. And he wants to set us free. Worship team, let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Father, you know the circumstances of every heart of those here today and those that are watching it online. And Father, I know you want this message to come across appropriate and right and filled with your love and not condemnation. And Father, I know Satan wants to take it and make it negative and terrible. But God, what a joy it is when your Holy Spirit comes upon us and points out something in our life that's not right. Because you're trying to save us from that. You're trying to give us victory from that. You're trying to make sure we come to you with that and humble ourselves. Oh God, may we all have the wisdom to humble ourselves before you. And even as right now we sing, if there's something between you and I, may we humble ourselves and say, God, I don't want anything between us. I confess this. I need your help. I humble myself before you. Set me free. And Father, when that's done, such joy it is to receive your forgiveness 
and you're filing it in the sea of forgetfulness. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this beautiful song, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. Thank you for a wonderful servant. Thank you for being real, letting us be real. And it was a, it, it's something good to go home and continue thinking about and put to good use. Um, just a reminder about the uh, Grace Place, if you'd like to sign up in the lobby. Otherwise, I'd like to dismiss us with the word of prayer. Father God, thank you for this message today. Thank you for what it can mean to us. Thank you for it being explained in such a way 
that we can use it and take it and free ourselves. Please be with us as we go out this week. And Lord, please be with those that are in need of prayer, that are ill, whether it's spiritually, whether it's physically, in whatever way. We ask that you be with them and be with us. We thank you for so much. In Jesus' name, amen.